Access is the Young Adults Ministry of Resurrection Life Church. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Kareem. So glad that you guys are back. Good to see you guys back here. Access, 7 o'clock Thursday night. If you're new with us, we are in a study through the book of Ephesians. I am uh, Pastor Kurt, and I'm so glad that you guys are all here because tonight I've got another message that I think is going to help every single one of us, which is good, right? Good thing. So um, if you missed any of the past messages, I'm not going to cover any of it up front. You can go back. You heard it on the VAs. You can go back, listen on podcasts, live stream, all that good stuff. Uh, Go get caught up. But for tonight, we're going to jump right back into the same prayer that we broke down last week, which is in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. 14. All right, you guys ready? Yeah. Here we go. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power. We talked about that last week. Strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, I saw you raise your hand last week too, sister. I like it. Keep it up. (laughs) Exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine or think according to the power that is at work in us. To him, God. Be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus now and throughout every generation to come forever and ever. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time that we have together. Lord, I pray that this time would be used to strengthen and to build up. Give us an injection of hope tonight, God. Inject us with your hope that you have stored up in heaven. Tonight, in Jesus' name, we all together said, amen. My message tonight, title of it is, He is Able. New Year's resolutions, how many of you made some? Be honest, yep. I didn't make one either, that's good. But usually, what? Ha- you guys know what the number one uh, New Year's resolution actually is? By the, What is it? Weight loss, losing weight. How many of you know everybody starts out with a whole bunch of hope? You know what I'm saying? You go to the gym and you get checked in with your trainer. Your trainer starts asking you all sorts of questions like, well, what are you doing here? And well, I'd, I'd kind of like to look like Thor. If you could <laughs> help me to look like Thor, that'd be great. Well, what about your health, though? Like, are you trying to I'm pretty sure that Thor's healthy. He looks <laughs> healthy to me, right? But you start off with all this hope, right? And you got all these these aspirations and dreams and pictures in your mind of what you're going to look like in a month from now. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, that process begins. You start pumping the iron. You get on the elliptical, run some treadmill. And next thing you know, what happens? You get what? You get tired and sore, right? (laughs) You get tired and sore. And then the pain of the process all of a sudden steals all of your hope. And then what happens? You keep paying that six months and never go back, right? You, may, you got like a six-month membership, but you never actually finish it because you lose hope because there's pain in the process. But here's the thing is that all of us, 
all of us, love change. Have you ever heard some, not loose change, okay? That's not, we like change though, right? Change is good. But have you ever heard somebody else say like, you know, I, I don't like change? I think we've all heard somebody say that, but I, don't, I disagree with that 100% completely. I actually think that we all love change. We, we embrace change. We would like to see change progress, if you will. What we hate and what we don't like and what we're not good at, which is what we need to get good at, is understanding that there's going to be pain in the process from start to finish. You guys with me? You guys with me? Here's the deal. All of us, in the book of Ephesians, all it is, I told you last week, I believe this entire book is actually a blueprint for our spiritual maturity. You saw in the prayer what it said, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. We talked last week about the strength, being strengthened with power. That means to have ruling, reigning power in our innermost being by the Holy Spirit so that we can rule and reign in life. And now circumstances no longer dictate us. We dictate our circumstances. You guys with me? So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Hope. Maintaining hope that he is able to do everything that he says he will and can do. I think that's what Paul got right down to. As soon as he got to verse 20, he says, don't you forget, though, in case you feel like, you know, that whole being strengthened with power in your inner man through the Holy Spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that part of it. Like, he's saying, you know, in case you don't think that that's attainable or possible, let me just remind you that the God we serve is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can even fathom in your human mind. Our hope is not in us. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in any of those things. Our hope is in God through Christ Jesus. That is it. Because without that, we're all gonna be let down. Come on, somebody. Now, we all wanna become fully mature followers of Jesus Christ. That's the whole goal of Ephesians. That's what we're gonna be talking about through the remainder of this month. But I wanna to read to you a scripture really quick. This is out of uh, Colossians 1, 28, says this. He, Jesus, is the one that we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ Jesus. That's what this whole book is about. That's what this whole series is about. That's what all of these messages are gonna be about. Us, you and I, together on this journey from start to finish, learning how we can get to that finish line fully mature, standing before our Lord and risen Savior at the end of this lifetime, whenever that may be, and him saying, wow, well done, good and faithful servant. You are Looking good. Okay, come on, somebody. Fully mature. Now, here's what I believe. I believe that every single one of us love the idea, love the sound of becoming fully mature followers of Jesus Christ. Here's what we don't so much like. Again, the process that takes place in between saying yes to Jesus and finishing the race that Jesus has set out before you. Because every single one of us has a race that has been marked out for us. That Jesus is, and by the way, it's only found in Christ. Your destiny, my destiny, our destiny 
is found in our creator. We were created to know our creator so that our creator can talk to us and speak to us and tell us what our destiny is because he knows us better than we know ourselves. So if we lose hope in the middle of the process from start to finish in our walk in becoming fully mature followers of Jesus Christ, if we lose hope, we can lose our faith. And if we lose our faith, we can be taken off the track and off of the road that leads to our destinies. So we're going to talk about a few things tonight, and it's all going to be related to hope. Maintaining hope that God is able, not that you're able, not that I'm able, not that we are able, but that he is able to do what he said he will do. Who's ready to receive that tonight? What I'm going to read to you guys now is uh, out, of, out of the book of Romans. And you know what? Before, before I even get to the good word here, uh, <laughs> I want to let you guys know something. I, uh, uh, I preached this message probably a little bit over a year ago. And so as I'm doing my study time and prayer time over this, I was, I was going back and forth. Do I, do I stay in chapter 3? Do I stay in that prayer? Or do I, do I move on to chapter 4 because there's some stuff in chapter 4 that I really want to get to? And, and, and through my prayer time yesterday morning, I felt, I felt the impression that I was supposed to reteach and re-preach this message that I already preached over a year ago. And then I started, and, and listen, you know, we, we talk about hearing God and hearing the Holy Spirit. I was about 59% sure. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? When you kind of have that and you're like, well, I'm 59% sure I guess I'll just step into it, right? So then I'm on my way to, and my wife is awesome. She asks me every time I'm, I'm in my study and prep time, like, how's it coming? How you doing? And I'm always like, not good, not good. I don't know what the heck I'm going to say yet. And then so yesterday uh, evening, I, a good friend of mine, Greg Kelly, was actually preaching here on our Wednesday night service. And so we packed up the kids and we got in the car and, and we headed over here to, to to come and support him. And on our way, I looked at her and I said, honey, I think I'm going to talk and preach on hope tomorrow night. You know, because I'm just trying to get a little like, oh, that'll be good, honey. That's all I need, you know, for my wife. Like, if she says that'll be good, it's like, okay, that's good enough for me, right? Come on, men. You know what I'm saying? Don't look at me. Don't judge me. You guys are insecure sometimes too, right? And, and so I said this to her and, and she goes, no, I think that'd be great. Okay, good enough for me. But I was still a little bit unsure, and I was still wrestling. Come to the service, listen to my friend preach. I, he gets done with the message. I come up, I'm talking to him, and all of a sudden, this older guy from the back of the crowd comes all the way up to the front. He walks up to me, and he goes, Pastor Kurt. And I turned around, like I was standing sideways, and I turned to him. I'm looking in his face, and, and he goes, Pastor Kurt. Leans in. Real weird, you know, like... God has a question for you. And I was like, Lord, not another weirdo, please. I'm not kidding. That's exactly what I thought. Don't judge me. You don't know what I've been through, okay? Not another. And he goes, he goes, I was just praying in the back, and the Lord told me to come up to you. And I'm going, oh, God, what is this going to be? The Lord told me to come up to you and tell you that there is a storage room in heaven and it's full of hope. I went, uh-huh. <laughs> Keep going. He said, oh, hope. 
God's got so much hope for his people. Hope this, hope that. Starts talking about hope, hope. And I looked at him and I said, well, first off, I thought you were weird right out of the gate. So I apologize for thinking that about you. And then you said hope. But guess what I'm preaching on? I was thinking about preaching on tomorrow night. He goes, what? I said, hope. He goes, what? You get out. You know, he's freaked out. I said, no, I'm preaching on hope tomorrow night. And guess what? I'm preaching later this month on our weekend services, Saturdays and Sundays, and I felt like the Lord told me to preach this message too, so I'm just gonna preach it four times this month to myself, and you guys can listen along if you want to. Does that sound good? Sound good? All right. Here we go. This is a blueprint, I believe, for how we actually maintain our hope that he is able to do everything that he promises and says that he will do. It's Romans chapter four. We're gonna start in verse 13. It says this, it was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. That was the promise that was given to Abraham. I've made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be without weakening in his faith He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Now, we may read over that, and I know it, you're, you're like, man, how, how, how's that going to help us maintain hope? We're going to break it down tonight. Point number one, in hope, we believe. In hope, we believe. Romans 4.18, you just heard me read it. It says this, against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. In hope, we believe. And so he became the father of many nations. I want to read it to you out of the New Living Translation. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. How many of you know that there's two kinds of hope? There's two kinds of a lot of things, two kinds of hope. Man's hope, there's God's hope. Man's hope is always usually in the natural. God's hope is always found in the supernatural. There's nothing natural about the God that we serve. Extremely supernatural. There's two kinds of, how many know there's two kinds of love? There's man's love and then there's God's love. Man's love, you heard me say it before, man's love is like, you know, Janet Jackson said it best back in the 80s. (laughs) What have you done for me lately? You remember that song? I'm dating myself apparently up here. I am old, y'all. But man's love is a what have you done for me lately kind of love. God's love is absolutely unconditional and it is not performance based. Which is why I'm, I'm absolutely 100% convinced that if you don't have God's love in you, you cannot be a Detroit Lions fan. 
Impossible. The only way that I know Justin Edmonds, who's in the back, is actually filled with the Spirit of God is because he's still a Detroit Lions fan. It's a fruit of the Spirit. They're that bad. But if the Spirit of God is at work in you, you can stay a Lions fan. Say amen, somebody. There's two kinds of peace. There's man's peace. There's God's peace. Our peace is typically seen by as their absence of war, is there no war taking place? But the truth is, is that God's peace can actually be found in the midst of war. I know people that have served over in Iraq that found God and his peace in the midst of the desert, in the midst of war, because God's freedom and his peace is found in his spirit. Now the Lord is the spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Second Corinthians 3, 18, 17, I think. But there's two kinds of fear. How is it that the Bible, the same Bible that we read, says over and over and over, fear not, do not be afraid, but then also tells us that we are to fear the Lord. Fear not, but fear the Lord. Well, the fear of man draws back. We get scared, we draw back, but the fear of the Lord actually means to have a reverence and an awe for our Father in heaven, and that reverence and awe is actually supposed to draw us near, right? And when we draw near to him, what happens? He draws near to us. There's two kinds of a lot of things, but again, there's two kinds of hope. And here's the reality, friends. We are notorious for misplacing our hope. Notorious for it. We're good at it. Man, we place our hope in all the wrong things. We place our hope in ourselves, in our abilities, in our giftings. We place our hope in in, in our finances, in our fiancés, in our spouses. We, We place our hope in all the wrong stuff. And whenever we misplace our hope, we get let down. But here's the reality, friends, is that if our hope is in God and Jesus Christ, you're never gonna be let down. Our hope, is not anchored in anything in this natural realm. Our hope as followers of Jesus Christ is anchored to the eternal realm where we have every spiritual blessings in the heavenly eternal realms. We've been justified. We've been adopted. Do I have to go and do a pop quiz on us? No, we've got all these things because of Jesus. And if our hope is in him, we'll never be let down. So that's number one. Number two is this, in hope, We need to ignore facts. In hope, we're going to have to ignore some things. Um, I want to go back to this this scripture in verse 19. Romans 4, 19. says this, without weakening in faith, he faced the fact. This is Abraham. Faced the fact. Remember, we're ignoring facts. The fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Let me say something and please hear me. Sometimes the greatest acts of faith and hope on our part in between start and finish comes when we choose to ignore very real circumstances that are facing you square in the face. When we just choose to ignore some stuff. Many of you know that I I used to play football for Grand Valley State University and uh, it was going into... um, it was my junior season. I went down with a uh, horrendous knee injury. I completely dislocated my knee, tore everything, 
tore all my meniscus, had to have it all repaired, had to have all of my meniscus, all the cartilage in my knee had to be all surgically removed because it was flipped upside down and shredded into crab meat, tore my calf off my bone. That'll never come back. I got one calf. I'm up here walking on one calf. That's pretty good, isn't it? And uh, so it tore off the bone. It never grows back. I mean, it was, it was so severe that they thought that my leg was going to need to be amputated because it only happens in head-on car collisions, these types of knee dislocations. So it would have been like, uh, you know, if you were to take my arm right now and take this part and bend it all the way back here, that's what happened to my knee. And so it was that bad. So they take me in, you know, I'm still in my, I'm still in my, my football pants and, you know, my undershirt and they, they wheel me into the hospital. And I remember I was with my mom and my ex-girlfriend was there at the time. And uh, I love you, just so you know, you know, <laughs> don't go there. Weird, Kurt, weird. Listen, I'm going to keep going. Uh, the doctor came up and, and they were asking me in the car ride over there, the trainers and the docs and all that, what is, what's going on? I, I, I had this horrendous pain in my calf. It was just pulsating and pulsating and pulsating. And I said, I have no idea what's going on, but my calf is just messed up. And they, they literally put my knee back into place out on the field before I even got to the hospital. And um, I don't remember much of it, honestly. I, 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 I think I was in shock. So get down there, and they're, what's going on? Well, this pulsating in my calf is just horrible. And then they said, well, what we think happened is we think you tore your popliteal artery that runs down the back of your leg because what happens in head-on car collisions, your knee will usually hit the dash, and then the dash will take your knee, and it'll, it will dislocate it, and it stretches so much that your artery tears. And then when the artery tears, it retracts like all the way back up your leg and they can't save your leg because they can't go up there. They can't find the artery to bring it back down to, to tie it back together. So my, my calf is pul pulsating. My calf is pulsating. So they said, we think you tore your artery and we're going to have to probably take you into immediate surgery. And, and if we can't find the artery, we're going to have to amputate your, your, knee, your leg from the knee down. And, I mean, you could have ripped my heart out of my chest. I mean, I, I, I was literally thinking to myself, you know what, just kill me. <laughs> I was. All my dreams. I thought my destiny was to play in the NFL. Told everybody that from the age of, you know, eight years old, fourth grade. And I was on my way getting looked at by everybody in the NFL. My, my childhood dream was becoming a reality, and then this happened. So... They take me in, they do this angiogram, they had to slice my, uh, my groin open, throw in a, uh, a tube, and then shoot dye down from the opposite side down my leg. And it was like a, a 20, uh, 20 minute process. And I just remember, I'm just sitting there weeping by myself. This lady comes over with this silver cross, puts it on my chest. She knew my parents or something from high school because she recognized my last name. And she, she, is it okay if I pray for you? And I wasn't a follower of, of Jesus Christ, wanted nothing to do with God. I said, yep. Isn't it amazing? I ain't even going to go there. Y'all know what I'm thinking. She prays for me. Test results come back. Arteries not torn, thank God. But tore everything else up. And uh, so I have this horrendous process of coming back to the playing field. And we were the number one team in the nation in our first game my senior year going into my senior year, was against the number two team in the nation. So my knee was so swollen that they couldn't even do surgery right away. 
I had to wait two months to get surgery. It was that bad. So January comes around. I finally get the surgery. Then the doctors tell me, but you have a 12-month process that you need to go through for this rehab, right? 12-month process. Guess what that means? I don't play my senior year. That's literally what they say. You, you will not be playing this year. I said, well, I'm going to play this year. So you better get on my page. I'm coming back. So we just need to start talking about what we need to do to get me back by August, okay? About half of the time. Okay, we'll, we'll do whatever it takes. Okay, great. So then here's what happens. The severity of the injury took me all the way. I missed all of spring ball. I, had, I couldn't work. I couldn't even jog until the, the week before training camp in August. So... Week before August comes around, training camp, I get the knee brace, you know, they put this knee brace on me, and I'm in the, the, the Grand Valley State uh, Lakers field house in the, uh, where, where the, you know, they do hoops, right? And, and so now I'm, I'm jogging. I mean, I was like, <laughs> like this, oh, God, you know. A week, literally like that. I mean, a week before training camp. There's only four weeks of training camp, okay? Get into the first practice. I was so happy to be back. So happy to be back. Could barely move, but I was happy to be back. And in the first practice, I was a quarterback, so I, I took the snap. Routine snap. Take the snap. I come back, give it to my running back, and my thumb gets caught in between his shoulder pads. <laughs> One in a million, maybe more, fractures my thumb on my throwing hand. I'm out the whole training camp. Couldn't practice once. If, I mean, anything else could have happened. I mean, I was literally, I was in tears. I remember Coach Kelly, who's now at Notre Dame, he comes up. I mean, I was so mad and angry when the doctor came in and threw up the deal and says, you're out. You fractured your thumb. I, I went, yeah, whatever, man. I walked, I literally walked over to our weight room because I, I needed to cry. <laughs> I needed to have a good cry. It's like, and I've got all my, all, you know, I had a other few, few other teammates that were looking at going to the NFL, and they would all be coming up to me, putting all the pressure. Listen, man, if you don't play, if you don't play, man, all my dreams of the NFL are gone, man. You got to play, Kurt. You got to play, Kurt. We need you, man. I'm like, dude, I'm trying. You know what I'm saying? I, so I went over. I had a good cry. Kelly comes over. He's like, are you okay? I was like, no, man, I'm not okay. You know, we had a little, he's, you're going to get back. Don't worry, we'll get you back. So here's what happens. I had just recently purchased a uh, Nissan Maxima, a gray Nissan Maxima from my Uncle Scott for $1,000. It had the moonroof, the leather seats. It was sick, right? I thought, and I didn't, I didn't have a car, you know, throughout college. And I was like, yeah, this is nice. Yeah, if you've got car problems and you're in here, come on, somebody, right? <laughs> I can sympathize and have compassion. So I get this car, and the night before the biggest game in Grand Valley State football history, here's what I did. I decided to go into Jenison because Grand Valley is a lot different now than it was when I was there back in 1954, okay? <laughs> so I decided, I told my roommate, I said, listen, I'm going to go get some movies, Rocky, Three and four. Three and four. Because you got to watch Rocky beat Clubber Lang and then Ivan Drago, right? Because it gets you all hyped up. So I said, I'm going to go to Blockbuster because that's what we used to do. 
drove into Blockbuster in Jenison, right? I get the movies, and I'm on my way back, and I'm driving down Fillmore, and the sun is setting, okay? So the sun's all the way down. I'm coming back, and if you've ever been down Fillmore, there's, these, there's a couple of these farmhouses, like, on the right-hand side if you're going towards 48th. You probably don't even know what I'm talking about. Okay, too many details. So the sun's setting. I'm doing about 60 because it's 55 there. And I see, out of my peripheral, somebody running down the opposite side of the street. No big deal, but there's no sidewalks over there. It's just dirt roads on the, not a dirt road, but it's paved road with dirt on the side of the paved road. <laughs> Get with the story, Kurt. So here's what happens. I see this, this person running, and out of my other peripheral on my right-hand side, I see something massive start to run out. And I know, and so I immediately slam on the brakes. I'm doing 60. I thought it was a deer. And what it turned out to be was a St. Bernard from 130-pound St. Bernard. I might as well have hit a human being going 60. Because I hit it right dead center, totals out my car, blows the airbag. I get burned all underneath my chin. My arms are all burned up, flesh wounds everywhere. And then I get out, and my car's smoking. <laughs> Everything is an absolute wreck. And I see this guy running down from the house, like that was now about 100 yards behind me. And uh, he's coming down. He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, you know, checking myself. And yeah, I, and I'm bloody, you know, but I was okay. Like no broken, but I'm checking. My, no, I'm, I think I'm okay. I think I'm all right. And he goes, oh, my gosh. And I said, what was that? And he goes, that was our St. Bernard. I said, that was your dog? <laughs> Do you keep a horse in the basement? Like, is that, that was massive. I said, yeah, it was a St. Bernard. I said, oh, my gosh. So then I'm sitting on the side of the road. I'm like all jacked up. I got the biggest game of my life tomorrow, you know, fractured thumb, bum knee, haven't practiced one time, not once. And I start talking to the guy and, 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 and then all of a sudden I hear weeping and I'm, I look over and all of the kids from the house are outside <laughs> sobbing together. And I was like, could this get any worse? And then he says, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get my shotgun. I said, why do you have to get your shotgun? I just checked on the dog and it's still alive. It's in the ditch about 40 yards up. And I was like, Jesus, kill me now. <laughs> this is so, you can't make this stuff up, man. I'm not kidding. And so he goes and gets the shotgun. I said, hey, man, if, if it's okay, like, let me leave before you do that. All right, man. So then he sparks up a conversation. He's and we're small talking, and he goes, "Oh yeah, you know." He's trying to like change the subject to try to help me out, make me feel better. So he starts talking about the big game tomorrow night. <laughs> no clue that I was the quarter. You know, had no idea. And he goes, "Yeah," and apparently this this quarterback, you know, Kurt Haynes is going to be back. And I was like, "Yeah, I think I heard that." <laughs> I, <laughs> it was so bizarre. Oh my gosh. So here's what happened. Next day, I'm a mess. I'm so, all these external circumstances are against me. Everything in the natural was literally saying, you, you ain't playing. Take a medical redshirt, sit the game out. I, I was, you want to know the truth, friends? 
I was absolutely 100% terrified to take the field that day. Terrified. But you know what I did? I got suited up. I went to Foot Locker before the game. And I got all these little sweatbands and put them around all my injuries. And the worst one was, was underneath my chin, man. It was all like open flesh wound. And, and, and I was sweating in my helmet and all the sweat comes down into your chin. And I was, oh, God, it just stung so bad. And so I had this, this stuff. I, we might go a little long tonight. Um, so I put this thing on, and here's what happened. I get out, and they made me captain for the game. I was the only captain, too. Remind, let me remind, I hadn't had one practice, one practice, didn't get one practice in, not one. I'm terrified. But you know what courage is? Doing things afraid. That's all it is. So what are you afraid of? What circumstances are you looking at that are trying to get you to shrink back in fear? That you just need to come up and say, you know what? I get it. Everything seems, and everyone, all this stuff seems to be against me. But you know what? I'm just going to take a next step. And I'm going to trust that something good's going to happen when I do that. Yeah. I went out, met the other captains. There was four of them. It was just me. I was looking at them like, I ain't scared. I was scared to death. <laughs> hey, man, hey, yeah, flip the coin. Long story short, won the game through three touchdowns, the winning game-winning game touchdown that game. We won every game the rest of the season, won a national championship, and I ended up winning the Division II Heisman Trophy. And I'm telling you right now, everything in me, everything in me, wanted not to go out on that field but I did it anyway. And something really, really, really good happened. Amen? Amen. So what about you? What does that mean to you? Dream big. Go after it. Take the next step. You never know. Something good might just happen. But it's interesting because it says... That without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. And everybody over 35 said, amen. Oh. <laughs> amen, that's right. But let me say something. When God planned your destiny, it was beyond, and it is beyond your own human capability and ability. But God wants you to trust him beyond your own human limitation. And that's what Abraham did. Trusted God beyond his own worn out old body. Amen. Lindsay, why are you laughing? Do you need a microphone, honey? <laughs> you thought it was funny when I said my body's dead, huh? This is funny to her. I like this. But listen to me, <laughs> pay attention. <laughs> we're going to have fun the rest of the time together, okay? Because we're about to try to OD on scripture. And I don't think it's humanly possible, but we're going to try to in a minute. You guys cool with that? Amen. I'd rather OD on that than something else. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I tried all that in a different life, you know, before Christ, and it sucked. So this is the easier of the two, okay? 
The second one's harder. The deadness of Sarah's womb. What the heck does that mean, Pastor Kurt? <laughs> Here's what it means. It represents all of your external circumstances. Circumstances that are out of your control. Without weakening in his face, his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead and that Sarah's womb was also dead. External circumstances that were out of his control. He faced the fact, but he chose to ignore it and said, my God is able, even though I'm not. So, that's number two. Number three, in hope, we are strengthened. In hope, we are strengthened. Whatever strengthens your hope will strengthen your faith. Whatever strengthens your hope will strengthen your faith in God. Verse 20 says this, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. His faith was strengthened. Whatever strengthens your hope will strengthen your faith. So then the question is this, what the heck strengthens our hope? Let's find out. Second Chronicles 32. King Hezekiah is speaking to his people. It says this, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, before all the multitude that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of the flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Job 4.4, 4, your words have upheld him who was stumbling, and you have strengthened the feeble knees. Job 16, but I would strengthen you with my mouth, and the comfort of my lips would relieve your grief. Psalm 119, my soul melts from heaviness. Listen, if your soul is in shambles right now, and it's, it's, you've got a heavy spirit in you, on you, whatever you want to call it, listen to this word. My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. What strengthens us, friends? What strengthens us? Word of God. Words of God. Jesus mentions this very thing to Peter when he predicted that Peter would deny him. Luke 22. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Listen to me. The enemy wanted to take Peter out just like he wants to take us out. And you know what he says? I prayed for you, Peter, that your faith would not fail you. You want to know one of the coolest things that I've ever read in the Bible? Is that Jesus is called our high intercessor and that he's in heaven right now praying for all of us. That we would be strengthened so that we could finish the race that he set us on. Jesus is praying for us right now. He says, you know, he wants to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And when you have returned to me, he's saying you're going to leave me, but then you're going to come back, which he did. Strengthen your brethren. What does that mean? Peter, after you blow it, after you deny me to a middle school girl, Here's what's going to happen. You're going to leave. You're going to go back to fishing. But when you return to me, here's what I want you to do. Strengthen your brethren. He's not saying, Peter, I want you to go up and get all huggy, huggy, kissy, kissy. He's saying, I want you to strengthen your brethren by using your words. Tell them that I'm alive. Tell them that I am the great I am. Tell them that I plan to use all of you guys to change the world and the history of the world. Strengthen them with your mouth. 
What strengthens our hope, friends? It's words. What strengthens our hope, friends? Words strengthen our hope. Let's go on. Luke 22, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. On the night he's arrested and crucified, what does he do? He falls to the ground. He's in agony over what's about to happen. The Bible says that he's in such agony and toil in his soul that he falls down. He's sweating drops of blood. And in that moment, here's what he says. Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven strengthening him. Listen, that angel that came to strengthen him was not giving him a massage, was not hovering behind him, playing a harp. Does this strengthen you? (laughs) Does it look weird? Okay, but you feel me, you get it. What was the angel doing? And by the way, one of the things that angels are tasked with by God are to deliver the oracles of God. What's an oracle of God? Spoken word of God. God tells them something. They come on assignment. They deliver the words of God. Guess what I think he was saying? By the way, everybody else in this, in this story was sleeping. They were sleeping. I would have been wide awake, like hiding behind a tree, man. Like, Gabriel, what are you going to do? Tell him something, Gabriel, strengthen him. You ever want to, like, go back into the Bible and see one of those? Like, that's one of those moments, man. I wonder what he was saying. But let me tell you what I believe he was saying. I believe that he was declaring all the promises of Scripture, all the prophecies about Jesus, who was and is to come, the one who is going to come and set everything wrong right And he's saying, listen, I know it's hard for you right now. Jesus, I know that your soul is in agony, but guess what? When you had that conversation in heaven with your father that you were going to come, seek, save the lost, and rescue all of humanity, guess what? That's about to happen, and you're going to do it. You're going to finish it. Just take that next step. Take one step at a time. One step at a time. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It is not a spotlight that you can see everything, but a lamp to my feet, I can see the next step in front of me. Come on, somebody. Your words. The angel came and strengthened Jesus with words. Let's keep going. Am I going too fast? Is this too much Bible? (laughs) Okay, here we go. What about the early church? How were they strengthened? Acts 15. Now, Judas and Silas, themselves being prophets, exhorted and strengthened the brethren and the sistren with many Come on, we listen. I know some of you are like, you know, what's the word? Not external and internal, but extroverts and introverts. Yeah, okay. Some of you are introverts, but it might feel good just to say it out loud. They strengthened and exhorted them with many words. <laughs> awesome. Here we go. Psalm 119. Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. My soul faints for your salvation. But I hope in your word. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Uphold me according to your word. That I may live and do not let me be ashamed of my Do not sorrow, Nehemiah. Do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You might be thinking, what the heck does the joy of the Lord have to do with words? Uh Uh-oh, time to drop a bomb. 
John 15, 11. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus Lord? Is he? Is he Lord? Okay. These things, this is Jesus talking. These things I have spoken to you, words, that my joy, is Jesus Lord? He says that my joy, the joy of the Lord may remain in you and that your joy may be full. I spoke to you so that my words would strengthen you and give you lasting joy. This is why we come to church, friends, and you, you hear me say it all the time, you know, our relationship with Jesus Christ at some point in time has to go beyond these four walls of the church. But let me say something else. One of the greatest blessings of church attendance is that you get to hear the word and the words of God preached under the anointing, which strengthens you, which strengthens your hope. And when your hope is strengthened, your faith is strengthened. And when you have faith, then you come to the place where you realize that, yes, God is able to do everything that he says he can. And then finally, it's this, 1 Timothy 4. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. I take this very seriously. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. Someone who is malnourished physically is not getting enough food into their body. Somebody who is malnourished spiritually is not getting enough word into their spirit. And you guys and I can tell when that's not happening. Friends, we have to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. This is part of the maturation process between start and finish. Come on, somebody say. Last thing is this. In hope, we bring glory to God. Verse 20, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. In this, he brought glory to God. And then it goes on, and I love this passage, verse 21. He was fully convinced that God is able. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever. I love that. God's able to do whatever he promises. Whatever. I think there's a psalm that says God does whatever he pleases. That gives me hope. Because no matter what's going on in your life and in my life, God can still do whatever he pleases. No matter what your circumstances look like, no matter what you look like, there is power at work within us to him be glory in the church and through Christ Jesus now and throughout every generation. Amen. That's what Paul's saying. Listen to me. The cure in you has begun. Jesus Christ has taken center stage of your lives, and guess what? You can be strengthened with power in your innermost being through the Holy Spirit so that you can rule and reign in this lifetime to where those circumstances no longer have control over you. You control them. And you need to maintain hope in between the process of saying yes to Jesus and crossing the finish line when you're going to meet with Jesus where he can say, well done. Man, you did good. How did you do that? And let me tell you something else. This message right here, this message that I put together over a year ago now, I tell you what, I go back at times because I'll, 
come on, somebody, I know you feel me on this. There are more reasons than we can even, fat, like, we can even talk about for all of us to become discouraged in this life. For all of us to become depressed. And guess what? I find myself going back to this message over and over and over and over because I find myself sometimes losing hope. And then I got to remember, oh, wait, 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 wait. He is able. He's able. I may not be able. I may not be seeing things the way that he's seeing them right now. But I just believe that you're able to get me through any circumstance. And you know what? God didn't say he was going to free you from the circumstances that you're in. But he promises that he will be with you in the midst of the circumstances. And that gives us hope. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word that is a lamp to our feet, that it is a light to our path. God, I pray for every one of us, Lord, everybody in this room. Help us to see just that next step. Give us the strength to take the next step. No matter how scared we are, no matter what our circumstances look like, God, our hope is in you, Jesus. And because you overcame, you share your victory with us. Help us to step into victory in every area of our lives in Jesus' name. God, I also pray for anyone that doesn't know you. Help them to step into a relationship with you tonight in Jesus' name. Help them just to simply believe that you paid it all. And all they got to do is believe. That's it. God, thank you for this community Thank you for what you're doing in all of us, God. We are so, I don't know, in awe of who you are. So in love with who you are. So in love that we don't even have the words to express it sometimes. Would you please help us to experience your love that surpasses anything any book, any Bible reading, any prayer time. God, just help us to experience it in our innermost being. Strengthen us, God. We just pray again that you would feel so at home and welcome in us. God, mature us. Mature us, God. Help us to be just open and bare before you, Lord. Honest with you, simple and honest about our struggles. God, and when we're scared, give us courage just to do things that we're even afraid of. There is so much. I'm done praying. I know I didn't say amen, y'all. <laughs> um, So much more ahead of us, friends. We're on the right path. I want you to know that. You're on the right path. You're doing the right thing. Say amen, please. Amen. Thank you. And I know I say this a lot. And I'm going to keep saying it. Because you need to hear it. And I, uh, I came to the uh, humbling conclusion 
couple weeks ago when Jasmine Hurtado, who is sitting right over there, who sang two songs up here. You know, she was right here in the microphone, that girl that's got a voice and a half, you know. And here's what happened. And I'm not going to do this to embarrass her at all because it embarrassed me. Here's what happened. I was in, uh, I was in our offices right over here. And I was with her and Pastor John Cordero. And we were sitting in the office. And I said, John, I'm turning 36 next month. This was, so this was, uh, <laughs> this was in late January. And I said, man, I'm going to be closer to 40 than I am 30. And then guess what? Guess what happened? Jasmine looks at me and she goes, oh, Pastor Kurt. And I went, what? She says, you're going to be 36? I said, yeah. How old did you think I was? I thought she was going to say like 32. She goes, I thought you were like 42. <laughs> I said, what? Did you just say, how dare you disgrace me? I am your pastor. And then, she, and, then, and then she added salt to the wound, and here's what she said. She goes, no, 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 but Pastor Kurt, I see you like my father. I said, shut up right now. We're done with it. Conversation is over. <laughs> so I said all that to say this. Some of you may think I am like a father figure. God, that sucks. <laughs> but then I started thinking about it in the ride home, and I was like, wow, I am twice her age. I guess I could have, yeah, I could be her dad. What's happening to my life? So I said all that to say this. I am proud of you. I'm so proud of you guys. You continue to come out. You continue, continue every single week to defy every statistic that they say about your generation, Amen. that you're not hungry for God, that you don't like church. And guess what? This is a big deal that you're just here. I'm proud of you, and I love you. We'll see you again next week. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like to join us live, we meet every Thursday night at 7 p.m. in the ground floor at Res Life in Granville, Michigan. Or you can watch us online at reslife.org slash live. You can also keep in touch with the Access Ministry on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AccessRLC.